Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 202. Can you believe it? On sale November 5th of 1985, cover February 1986, cover price of 75 cents. This one's titled X-Men, I've Gone to Kill the Beyonder. Whoa, that's a really long title. It sure is. This is a Secret Wars 2 continues in this issue issue. So, yay, Beyonder. Yeah. <laughs> and on the cover, there's no Beyonder on this cover. There's a pair of Sentinels uh, that the X-Men, Colossus, I should say, Rogue, Magneto, Storm, and Wolverine are fighting. In the pantheon of X-Men covers, this one's pretty forgettable. Um, when I was a kid, I enjoyed it because it had Sentinels and I liked Sentinels and Sentinels. I mean, it's not a bad cover. Yeah. It's a cool cover. It's just like, this is not one of the ones you remember. Yeah. I'll give you that. Still, I don't think it's a bad one. I like all the snow flying and everything. No, like I said, it's not a bad cover. Yeah. Although Magneto's jumpsuit is terrible. Well, it's it's very 80s, the the very 80s, like uh, MC Hammer pants before MC Hammer <laughs> was MC Hammer. Magneto Hammer? <laughs> In fact, I think uh, MC Hammer was probably reading X-Men when he decided that uh, that's how he wanted to dress. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Maybe when he was singing, you can't touch this, it's because he thought he was a mutant. And it, it's like the Rogue song. Oh, right. I'll get your powers in Psyche. No, that doesn't work. Uh, yeah, so uh, we, yeah, whatever. That's the cover. You open it up. It's written by Chris Claremont. John Romita Jr. is the penciler. Al Williamson is the guest inker. Tom Orzakowski is the letter. Glenn Soliver is the colorist. And Nocenti is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor in chief. So, as mentioned, uh, 10 cents price hike. Well, you're getting your beyonder so that's 10 cents more this was their this was the time that comics went from 65 cents to 75 cents do you believe it yeah so yeah yeah you open this thing up and you get a nice splash panel of rachel in her new phoenix duds uh, i think the last time we saw these was in what x-men annual number nine well they weren't quite like this were they no, you're right. She had. Uh, you're right. This is this is when she like took the power from the the sphere, the little gene yeah. sphere. Yeah, uh, and she's got the phoenix effect all around her, and she is screaming the title of the comic, X Men. I've gone to kill the Beyonder. But it's not actually her. It's a holograph projection that Rogue has accidentally stumbled upon. Why, how did she stumble across? Was she like, hey, uh, what, what, is this Professor X's office? This is an office somewhere. Maybe this is Rogue's office. Although there is a bed in here. Why I, is Rogue in here? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. I don't know if this is like the professor's office because it, it, it kind of looks like the good old days of the Cerebro desk. Yeah, but it. Well, we'll see Cerebro later in this issue. Correct. Um, but there's a bed in this room. I'm guessing that this is probably Rachel's room. And uh, 
she was waiting for an X-Men or all of the X-Men to come in and like, you know, say, hey, let's go get some dinner. Or it's time. Rogue come in here. Well, it was time for a danger room session, maybe. But everybody's asleep. Well, she was worried about. I don't know. It doesn't say. (laughs) Rachel goes on and says that, yeah, the Beyonder is a threat to everything. And, well, nobody else can do it, but the Phoenix probably can. So I'm out of here. Wish me luck. Bye. Last episode when we saw him on TV meditating, that was the last straw. Absolutely. Uh, and so Rogue is like, no, your mama was Phoenix, Rachel. What you are is crazy. So hasn't she introduced herself to her teammates as Phoenix? Yeah, she did that already. I don't know. <laughs> All these things are going out of order. So yeah, That's true. So Rogue flies up to Storm's loft and... Uh, and then they summon the rest of the X-Men who also meet in Rogue's Loft. I'm Storm's Loft, rather. And uh, they have a little X-Men powwow. I lead the X-Men, thinks Storm to herself. I should have foreseen this. The responsibility and blame is mine. We don't get much more of that plot. No. So the X-Men are surmising and rationalizing what phoenix is doing um rogue says that uh, she rigged the hollow projector to play its message when the door was opened Um, where are they are they in they're in storm's loft i think aurora's coming down a ladder what she's got a loft in her loft okay so she's got an upper loft and okay yeah i guess yeah okay yeah and this is a common thing for the X-Men to do is meet up in her pajama and their pajamas in her loft. Yeah. I mean, why not? I'm surprised she's letting Wolverine smoke in here. Yeah. You wouldn't think it'd be very good for the plants. Um, and you would think that Wolverine out of respect would just not do it. You would. But he he doesn't care about that. What what he cares about is uh that his his only regret about this whole caper is that he won't be there with her for the kill, which um, I think is a little out of character at this point in Wolverine's career. Yeah, last episode we had, a, well, last issue of uh, 201, we had really great characterization of Wolverine. And this time it's like Claremont forgot what he was doing. Right, and you can't, it's not like you can blame the artist because this is John Romita Jr. here, you know. So it's not like, you know, they should be on the same page for what they want to do with the character. You know, like if it was a guest artist, you could be like, oh, okay, the guest artist was probably doing the Marvel method. They didn't have a good meeting. And and now Chris Claremont's stuck giving him crappy dialogue. But no, there's no excuse for this. Yeah. I I, I like Kitty saying, like, because Kitty also doesn't like the Beyonder. And she says, he's past due for a taste of his own medicine. Which, you know, is in character with her so far. But, yeah, then Wolverine just comes out of nowhere. And Aurora has to step in and say, Sheathe your claws, Wolverine. Regardless of our feelings, my friend, we must find Rachel and stop this mad quest before it is too late. And then Nightcrawler says, Hey, you can't kill the Beyonder. What does it matter? Yeah. So we get to witness the aforementioned Cerebro. And it does look like it's in an office. Um, 
I feel like it used to face the other way, you know, back in the old days. In the background, there's kind of the old-looking Cerebro. So there's the, the Magneto's got the or, yeah Magneto's got the helmet on, and then behind that, it looks like old-school Cerebro. Don't you mean Cyberno? It might very well be Cyberno. I feel like that though was a bunch of. Although it looks like there are still place cards that he can put on there. <laughs> That's right. Magneto's like, hey, why is my name on this? And Toad? <laughs> he knows why. Blob? <laughs> and then we get this weird thing where uh, Wolverine comments about how uh, the Cerebro worked fine until you monkeyed with Earth's magnetic field so as to inhibit long-range telepathic communication. Of course, back then you were just a bad guy, just taking care of business. Making sure Charlie wouldn't couldn't use Cerebro to nail you. Kind of rough, ain't it? Being hoist on your own petard. What's a petard? I don't know. Uh, what's what's the, some the saying hoist, hoist on your own petard has been coming back for me personally in the year 2017. I first heard it on uh, the show Gotham. Okay, which. I only watched three episodes of that show. And then I was watching old episodes of Batman uh, from the 60s, and they said it in that, which I thought, oh, that's ironic. Hmm. And then um, it it showed up a couple other places, and now it's here. And I don't know what it means, but I'm getting tired of it. (laughs) I don't like this phrase that I don't understand. So um, the monkeying with Earth's magnetic field uh, is that a thing that he did in X-Men 150, maybe? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. It would be nice if they put a little bubble there, though. It would be very nice if they did that. I feel like maybe even in that episode, we talked about that coming back full circle, but I don't remember. When I first read this issue when I was 12 or so, like I had no idea what Wolverine was talking about. Yeah, I guess it's... For the first timer, it's not very clear. No, but that's why you need the bubble, as seen in X-Men number 150. Because then as the collector, you're like, ooh, i got to get me X-Men number 150 to see what Magneto did to Earth's magnetic field. And then I have another question. Like, is To this day in the Marvel Universe, is the Earth's magnetic field screwed up because of Magneto, or did he fix it? Good question. <laughs> okay. Well, wait, was the Earth destroyed in the latest Secret Wars? Oh, I, is that still a thing? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I I know that like all of the like, old man Logan and all those people have been brought together, but I don't know if that's on the Marvel Earth or if it's on like a new patchwork asteroid Earth clone thing. Maybe the 616 universe is now the only universe. There's no longer a multiverse. No idea. But I, I don't know either. I'm just speculating. Somebody knows. Yeah. They're yelling at their, their headphones right now like, move it on. Move it on. Don't you guys read comics anymore? <laughs> if you don't know what you're talking about, don't talk about anything. So uh, they they uh, Ro- Storm wants to know if Magneto can reverse the magnetic uh, thing that he did. And uh, he, Magneto says, no, he can't. Well, first we get another dumb scene where Wolverine's like, Want to make something of it? 
Mm. And then Kitty Pride says, careful, Logan, I know this is a test, your way of taking Magneto's measure, which sounds like a Wolverine thing to do. But he sounds like he's taking your challenge seriously to survive. We have to trust each other, not hate each other's guts. I don't know. Wolverine this whole time has been like, you know, maybe Magneto's okay. Yeah. Maybe you guys should lighten up. Well, now he's now he's it's his turn to maybe have a little bit of doubt. This is just uh, I don't know. It's just a weird it's a weird step backwards. So Magneto is able to pinpoint uh, Rachel's psychic pattern near San Francisco. The readings are exceptionally high. Mm-hmm. In other words, Phoenix. Lots of power. Or Aurora, have we been wrong about Rachel all the time? Mine, oh wait, what is the, I haven't done a Nightcrawler voice in a long time. Hmm. Mine God, could she truly be her mother's daughter? Phoenix, in fact, as well as name? And then we get a page of the Beyonder stuff. Yeah. Basically, Beyonder's looking at a flower. Well, he's looking at it from like a sub-molecular level, the, I don't know, carbons and genome strings, and then he sees the flower. And it's beautiful. I guess. He's on Alcatraz, and uh, Phoenix shows up, and uh, she's like, there you go, there on Alcatraz, a fitting place, butcher of worlds, ravager of souls, for your execution. So, has the Beyonder butchered any worlds? I mean, he, he went up to the the celestial world and caused a whole bunch of like havoc. But I mean, Phoenix wouldn't know about that. I don't know. And, uh, has he been a ravager of souls? That's questionable. I mean, I feel like, yes, he's got a lot of power. He's got infinite power and he showed up on, on, on earth, Marvel earth. And he's caused some shenanigans, but every time he's caused some shenanigans, they've worked out at the end, almost as if they never even happened in the first place. It feels like Jim Shooter has been and Chris Claremont have sort of been shoehorning Rachel in to have a relationship with the Beyonder that I don't know. This this is this is part of where the uh the whole crossover doesn't sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And this particular issue is kind of off. I feel like Chris Claremont's job is on the line. Like Jim Shooter's like, look, buddy. You're going to do this or you're going to be looking for another job. Chris <laughs> that is definitely not true. <laughs> you don't think so? Uh, Chris Claremont at this time was like a superstar of the Marvel bullpen. They let him get away with pretty much anything. Hmm. Uh, what I, I, was, I was reading about X Factor and one of the things that – I won't talk about that. But one of the things that I wrote was that like most of the other um, writers were not allowed to be as, as dark as the X-Men is right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. That Maybe that explains why I never really clicked with Fantastic Four, Avengers, or Spider-Man. It could be. At this time frame. But it seems like Jim Shooter has a uh, a, a much greater uh, influence over other things, and he kind of lets Chris Claremont do his own thing. Yeah, well, money talks. Yeah. So Rachel uh, or Phoenix, she I guess crashes or, or she she does a huge Phoenix Force explosion of Alcatraz. I think it's like an atom bomb. It certainly looks like it. 
you can see like a little bit of the Golden Gate Bridge underneath, uh, but this this explosion is massive. Yes. And uh, the Beyonder is unharmed. He stands up and he says, we have met before this newborn star and I. And apparently he has protected the flower, like the flower still alive. Yeah, I, I flared like a supernova. I hit this island with all the power I possess, and outside of the this patch of fused earth did absolutely no damage. And the Meander says, I would not allow it. I know why you are here, Phoenix, and what you think of me. You are mistaken. I have not done you harm. I mean none harm. Weird. She, uh, she tries to blow him away with more power, but... It Your history, buster! Doesn't do anything. Does that outburst make you feel any better? Alive? Impossible! Not for me. A little back and forth. Uh, the Beyonder turns into death for a second, which is odd, considering all the relations that he's been having with death in the past couple of Secret Wars issues. Is he Is he death? No, he, he's doing a... Uh, uh, what was that movie with... Uh, Angel Wings. Scrooged? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the other one. Oh. Uh, it, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh. But Scrooged works as well. He's basically pulling off one of those um, uh, Scrooged-type uh, caricatures. Sure, he's the, he's the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. And in fact, they go to the future, and uh, Phoenix sees all the destruction of her timeline and the Beyonder, as the Ghost of Christmas Future, is here kind of guiding her through. And she gets to relive some of the the X-Men's deaths as the X-Men are running through the Morlock tunnels. And uh, he gets she gets to see Franklin die once more. She cried for him, felt his death in his mind, still does. And then she sees all of the dead X-Men bodies. She even sees... Nimrod disintegrate Kitty. I think that's Kitty, yeah. Yes, that is Kate Pride. So this is this is essentially what happened right after the events of X Men One Forty Two, or shortly thereafter. Nimrod showed up and killed Kate Pride as she came back from the past. And this time we do get a flashback uh, caption thing that says, "This proceeding was courtesy of X Men One Forty One, One Forty Two, and One Ninety Two." Rachel doubles over. It's the past, but not her past, not the history she remembers. It's a different timeline, one where Rachel Summers can never be born. You've seen everyone you care for slaughtered. In a sense, you are the sole survivor of your world, of your race. Small wonder now that you have a second chance. You are determined to defend them at any cost. Shamed by what was, terrified of what may yet be. I offer you a choice, Phoenix. You may slay me. Um, what? Why? So the Beyonder imbues her with the full power of, I, I guess it's, is it, I guess it's the Beyonder, but they kind of imply that it's the Phoenix. Hmm. I think it's just more power. I herewith grant you sufficient power to do so. Furthermore, I shall not even attempt to defend myself from any attack. So, I don't know. It's either some of his power or he's augmenting her power or something. But now, apparently, she has enough power to destroy the Beyonder. Now, what's weird is this same month, he did the same thing for uh, 
one of Spider-Man's uh, rogues galley, the Puma. The Puma? He gave the Puma, the, the Puma <laughs> enough power to uh, kill him. To kill Spider-Man or the Beyonder? To kill the Beyonder. Oh. Um, so this is like, it's. It, I don't know if that's coincidence or good timing on their part, but it's interesting well the the theme of this the the beyonder secret wars theme of the month is um helping heroes find their true purpose uh, and apparently the beyonders method of doing that is just giving them a ton of power yeah uh, or the writers of each of those books are like oh, god what are they with this stupid jim shooter idea <laughs> <laughs> i think there's a little bit of that um but yeah in this case he not only gives her power he he now has the X-Men appear in the same city that they're at around various areas. And he also, uh, uh, to cut the explanation short, brings the Sentinels from um, Rachel's future into the current present. Omega series, hunter killers, but that's crazy. They weren't even designed till the turn of the century. These were the butchers who massacred the X-Men. And so Rachel has a choice now. She can actually use her powers to kill the Beyonder or she can help her X-Men, you know, duh. <laughs> yeah. So she, she first X-Men that shows up is Storm. She's in the Blackbird. She doesn't know why she's here, but she's flying the thing. Uh, Sentinel comes up on her tail and now she's like, well, I don't have any powers, but... At least I've got the Blackbird, but the Blackbird doesn't have any weapons, so this this will be interesting. But she is able to, um, I guess, get the Blackbird to subsonic heights or something, suborbital heights. And uh, I guess the ship is somewhat designed for this, but the Sentinel isn't. Or she slingshots the Sentinel into space, and then she flies back down to Earth. That's a cool sequence of panels. It, it would... It would um... The only thing I don't like about it is the Sentinel's hands are clinging to the Blackbird and the Sentinel is slowly drifting away from his hands and his hands are held to the to, to the Sentinel by what looks like, I'm assuming, a metallic string. But, like, it just doesn't look like it would hold. Are you talking about, like, the Go-Go Gadget uh, blue Sentinel string? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on here either. Um, it's, it's if you in the on the previous page you see that he is slowly separating from his hands. Yeah, no, that's so true. The, the the pressure of being pulled up into the atmosphere is causing him to to slip away. But I don't know. It's it's it just looks like it wouldn't hold. Maybe this model of Sentinel has the ability to throw his hands and it's got that rope to twist and tie around things. Yeah. So, yes, Aurora does go off into space where she almost falls unconscious. She does a little flipperoo that you mentioned and then goes back into the atmosphere. My descent, my wild, my own wild descent has already begun, so she's lost control of the ship. But then we cut over to Magneto. And here we see the uh, Sentinel shoot strings out of his, or catch web, which is kind of a cool way to call rope. Catchweb will neutralize antagonist entities' powers. I guess it's it's not made of metal. The catchweb would no. make sense. 
You know what? It's probably there in the future, right? And so they probably had an overabundance of those uh, uh, six-pack pigeon killers. So they probably recycled those, threw them in the Sentinels, and called it Catch Web. Okay. <laughs> no? Okay. Anyways, uh, Rogue, she shows up, and she's like, I'll help Magneto. And as she zooms in, the uh, Sentinel turns around and zaps her. But I don't think zaps her with the intent of killing her. Maybe she was invulnerable enough. But regardless, her clothes are just shredded. She's virtually naked, uh, which causes the problem of when she lands on a whole bunch of people, she starts touching them accidentally and absorbing all of their memories. And now she's just got a cluttered mind full of emotions and personalities. And, And now she can't do anything. She's scared, angry, and she... All these voices are in her head, so she's basically out for the count. Which is cool. Yeah. Yep. There, the person, there's a person in the background that looks like Professor X. Uh, bottom left, mid left. Um, mid middle 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 panel. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got standing that, behind her doing the the head thing. He's got the blue suit and the thin tie. Yep. Yeah. And then that's when Wolverine jumps in. Leave her be, Bubble, your answer to me. And he dives through a sentinel's head. We get the uh, the Chris Claremont crowd where some they're, they're constantly talking about what's going on. What? Luke is filming a movie publicity stunt. The woman struck the crowd. They died. No, they're only stunned. She murdered them. I'm so tired of this Lucas filming a movie crap. <laughs> I get it. Star Wars just came out and that's funny, but you've done it like six times. And honestly, if Sentinels are like crushing like the world, people aren't going to be like, is that a movie? <laughs> well, maybe these particular folks aren't hurt. And so they're just looking at this like, oh, look at the special effects. It's amazing. <laughs> no, just no. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, yes, so Wolverine cuts one of the uh, Sentinel's heads, uh, but he gets flung back against the wall. That's when Phoenix shows up to save the day. I've seen the X-Men slaughtered once at your hands, once at the hands of your kind Sentinel, never again. And the Sentinel does not know who she is, uh, presumably because she's never had powers like this in the timeline where they would have reference with the uh of the of the mutants i guess yeah so she's tending to wolverine uh like basically she's got like a force field going on and maybe she's also healing him too yeah she uses her powers to supercharge his healing factor ah okay which causes wolverine to wake up and go whoa, whoa? that'll make a uh i think Phoenix says, that'll make his recovery virtually instantaneous. Blast, my shield's holding. Oh, so she's getting blasted and her shield is uh, holding. Yes. Wolverine, uh, there she brings them over to Magneto and Wolverine slices the catch web open <laughs> very carefully. And uh, we're not the only ones in trouble. The other X-Men are fighting a sentinel uptown in the Castro district and Storm... I believe they're all connected at this point. Uh, Storm asked Phoenix to connect them all mentally so they could share what was going on. Seems like it would be a bit of a distraction, but, you know, they're used to it. 
So uh, Magneto does show here that he wants to, uh, before they do anything, they got to remove the local citizenry from harm's way. So we do get to see Magneto's a little bit reforming here. Then we get Wolverine. You actually care about ordinary people, Magneto? That is a change of heart. Wah, wah. <laughs> yes. Give the man a break, will you, Wolvie? For better or worse, my friend, I am an X-Man and will play by your rules. So I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care. I'm just giving you lip service. Listen up, everybody. Clear the area. Don't panic. Don't delay. And don't hang around. So I'm guessing that Phoenix is giving them um, subconscious telepathic commands, maybe? Yes. Yes. As, as the professor would sometimes do, give them a, a nudge to get out. Yeah. Wolverine sneaks up and Wolverine can get in close and do what he does best. And Wolverine says, what I do isn't very nice. Timber. No, he, he, he just says timber. Again, like, I don't think Chris Claremont wrote this issue. I think he just put his name on it. Um, so the, the Sentinel's on the ground. Magneto's using his powers. Um, so looks like this guy's down for the count. And Magneto has amazing storm powers. I am too weak to penetrate the mechanism's armor or neutralize gravity, but I can create a magnetic vortex, a whirlwind in reverse to suck super cold air from the very top of the atmosphere to sea level. And then, yes, he freezes the Sentinel into a block of ice. Boo. I call BS. <laughs> and then it starts snowing, hence the snow on the cover of the comic. And there's a giant tornado that goes up into the space. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, so Rogue can't drive, uh, Rogue's psyche that she's absorbed from her head. Um, so Phoenix helps her out with that, giving her the ability to think a little bit clearly. Yeah. We need your muscles, Rogue, to finish this fight. And, and Rogue destroys the Sentinel. And then we cut over to Nightcrawler and Colossus, who we haven't seen for a while. Oh, and conveniently, the uh, the giant tornado that um, Magneto whipped up also sucks the Blackbird back into the atmosphere. Safely. Yes. Yeah. Gently. Yes. Colossus and uh, the Sentinel are fighting. Uh, the Sentinel smacks Colossus over the head with a, like a lamp post. Bwang! And uh, it's getting ready to stomp. Colossus maybe even flatten him, but that's when Kitty shows up and phases him into the ground. Um, gotcha, that was close. If I hadn't grabbed Peter and phased him into the ground. Antagonist's escape indicates presence of mutant entity identifax designation Ariel. Wrong, dummy. That was her name in the world we came from, says Phoenix as she knocks over the sentinel. Pow! Here she's Shadow Cat. Excellent, Phoenix, says Colossus. Colossus grabs yet another light post and uh, runs up to the Sentinel and drives it through its chest. Yes, and we get a new use of Kitty's powers here. Uh Um, So Kitty is phased inside of Colossus. Um, and they're they're basically trying to not let the Sentinel know what their plan is. Right. So the Sentinel can't see that 
Kitty is as Kitty is actually involved, and so Colossus is able to phase the light post through the uh, Sentinel, and the Sentinel's all like, "This won't bug me." What? Yes, because as they let it go, it solidifies inside of the Sentinel, and it is out, which is kind of a cool use of the power of uh, Kitty's power. So she also says that Colossus's metal hide masked me from its sensors, which. I don't know if I'd go with that. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the Sentinel would be like, confused, see Ariel, see Colossus. That, um, you know, that's that's a little assumption on Kitty's part. There, there's really that we don't, we don't actually know that that happened. Right, right. She should have said, this is what I assume, everybody. <laughs> Rachel, she shows up, she uses the remainder of her power to, uh, well, destroy the Sentinel. I'm running the main, the power of a main electrical line amplifying in a thousand volt as I pass it through my body into the sentinel. The sudden stream seems to be more than it could stand. Poor dear. Good riddance. That's a lot of energy to be coursing through her body. Uh, but she, she takes it like a champ. Doesn't bug her at all. So the uh, two sentinels, I guess it was just two sentinels or was it three sentinels? Whatever. Uh, three, the one in space, the one in Magneto and yeah. the one in Colossus. They've been dealt with handily. Kind of makes you wonder how those Sentinels were able to destroy them in the future. But anyways, uh, Rachel shows up on Alcatraz and she's like, are you happy Beyonder? (laughs) Rachel, you saved them, says the Beyonder with a nice smile on his face. I saved nothing. You gave me power. You set up the situation and created the threat. I was little more than a puppet for your amusement. She's got a good point, but he says, I sought to restore your inner balance, to expunge your guilt, so that you might become one with yourself, as I hope to become with mine. If it's to mean anything, uh, if we're truly to learn to grow as individuals in a species, it has to be earned. You can't just give somebody knowledge. You may mean the best, but all you've done, all I think you'll ever do, is harm. Bum, bum, bum. And the Beyonder sits there and looks at his feet amongst the crashing waves of the water against the island of Alcatraz. Next issue, the final showdown between the X-Men and the Beyonder. Crossroads! Oh, great. More Beyonder in the pages of the X-Men. Well, it couldn't be worse than that issue. Um, yeah, no, I, think, I don't think it could be. It's not that that was a bad issue. It just it didn't. For me, I, I I didn't really know what was going on. It seemed to shoehorn in a lot of stuff. It didn't seem like it was in line with what Chris Claremont was doing previously. Um, and it just sometimes, I don't know, not always, but it sometimes feel like trying to fit into these uh, crossovers just kind of jacks everything up. It did nothing to further the story of the X-Men. It was just an issue of X-Men fighting Sentinels for no real reason. Well, other than Beyonder reasons. Yeah, I guess. And I guess Rachel didn't really learn anything either. No. She basically just um, guilt trips the Beyonder. Yeah. So um, nobody, nobody learned anything. Oh, well. It's as if you could have just skipped reading that issue and you would have not missed anything. But you didn't. You made it this far, dear listener. Although you did get a little bit of future stuff. Um, 
you know, regarding the fate of Kate Pride. But we already knew that. Did we know that she got fried as soon as she got back? Well, we know that, yeah, she sacrificed herself and um, Nimrod showed up. Oh, that's right. We did know that. So you're right. We learned nothing in this issue. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. Maximum number two. We, uh, we got a letter. Yeah. Yeah. We got a letter from, uh, from Nick Nero. He said he's on episode number 87. So greetings from the past in the future (laughs) or something. I never get that right. Uh, just saw that you're past number 200, and I feel as though I'm stuck in a perpetual time warp with your show. Maybe one day I'll catch up. You guys do a great job. Keep it up. Well, I certainly hope you catch up to at least this episode where where we just read your letter. Um, and hopefully you've actually caught up to wherever we are when you're hearing this episode. You know, I think catching up is overrated because, like, what do you do when you get to the end? You have to start over. You start listening to a different podcast. I say never catch up. Always be like six episodes behind, and that way you'll never be lacking for something to listen to. I don't know if that works in today's binge uh, society. Like, we want it all, and we want it now. For example, you know, Netflix has spoiled us, right? You get a show, it's all dumped out there, and you can watch it as fast or as slow as you want. But Hulu, they just produced that Handmaid's Tale show, and they Mm -hmm. put three episodes out there, and I watched all three episodes, and I'm like, I can't wait till next Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> and then every Wednesday after this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So now now we're just spoiled. But but I do agree with you. Uh, I've listened to um, uh, many podcasts where, you know, the, you got this whole open road of episodes ahead of you and you're like, ah, oh, this is great. And you're listening to it while you mow the lawn, or you're taking a walk or whatever. And you're like, I'll never run out of these. And then one day you run out and you're like, darn. <laughs> Now I got to wait a week like the rest of the chumps. And then you start to lose track and it becomes, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I start to fall off the face of the earth and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to them in a while. It's it's so much better when you have the whole world ahead of you. It's kind of what happened to me with Doctor Who as soon as I got all caught up with the Doctor Who's and, and then the new Doctor dropped. I have, haven't been able to get back to it because it just keeps falling off my radar. To be fair, the latest episodes, and I, I haven't watched this season either, but the the Peter Capaldi stuff has been, from in my opinion, pretty bad. <laughs> like bad or just not as good? Uh, both. <laughs> oh well, okay. That's too bad. Even the like the what was it, Matt Smith? The Matt Smith episodes were not as good as the David Tennant episodes, even though Matt Smith was great. I think that there's some Matt Smith fans that would completely disagree with you i'm not one of them like well i think that's mostly because there's a new showrunner and a whole bunch of new plots and stuff that you weren't really paying attention to and and blah 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 but uh yeah so anyways uh so there you go there's a new showrunner coming that's gonna be great well hopefully (laughs) (laughs) you hope uh we also got a a note a little bit late but uh we we're gonna get it anyways here it's uh it's from jamie no last name, but Jamie. So hello, Jamie. He says, uh, seeing as the Star Jammers are flying off to the stars soon. Well, that happened a couple of issues ago. Uh, he thought that he would give them a musical send off and give your often sung rock theme an 80s cartoon treatment. Uh, so 
you're going to we had to listen to it so you have to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just kidding it's 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 a very fun uh, and something honestly i was hoping would happen during the very short run of the star jammers well the star jammers will be back not for a long time my friend yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> but yes they'll be back and when they come back we will dig jamie's song out and we'll play it to welcome them back or maybe yes. somebody will have created another version of the song for their reunion. Maybe we'll have a whole Star Jammers album out by then. Oh my. Fans songs. <laughs> Fan Star Jammers songs. Yeah. When do you when do you do you know when the Star Jammers come back? No, no idea. Cuz to the well, I mean the professor has to come back at some point. The professor does come back and I I don't recall if we if he just like shows up or if we see the Star Jammers. The next appearance that I'm aware of is is uh uh, the twelve-part rise and fall of Shi'ar, but it's got to be sooner than that. Oh yeah, for sure. I, there, there is a uh, a Star Jammers limited series by Dave Cockrum. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if we're gonna read that or not because I don't know if it has any X Men in it, but we'll keep it on the radar. Does it have the prof? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know very little about it. We'll keep our eyes out open for it. So, so there you go. Other than that, if, you, uh, if you'd if you like to get a hold of us, uh, you can do so at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com. Visit us at facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go on Twitter. Email us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. We're on iTunes. Go into the podcast section. Search up Danger Room. We'll be the only podcast that shows up of that name. Leave us some stars. Leave us some see- uh, feedback. Subscribe to us what have you. You can also leave us a voice message if you would so choose at 501-GET-X-MEN 501-438-9636 It's fun. And exciting. It's fun and exciting. <laughs> also a reminder that that our our opening music is by Laszlo Hollyfeld, but our closing music is by Jamie. Jamie, no last name. Just Jamie. JJ. Thank you, Jamie, for providing the Star Jammers closing. My name's Jeremy. <laughs> Wait, no. My name's Jeremy. <laughs> oh, I must be Adam then. Oh, okay. Well, then, until next time, the Star Jammers are blasting away. Corsair! Corvus! Raza! Star Jammers, Star Jammers, Star Jammers, jamming across the universe. Star Jammers, Star Jammers, Star Jammers, Star Jammers. Fighting for justice, battling the Shia to defeat the Ken and his Imperial Guard. Kill every last one of them. You'll never defeat the Star Jammers. <laughs> Yeah.